0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. If he dies, he dies. I was wondering how long it would take you to get to Dolph. Dolph immediate. Lundgren, man. Dolph Lundgren, dude. Rocky Four, The Russian. Let me tell you something. If you haven't seen Rocky Four, you should because it's a legendary movie. And uh, he played legendary Ivan Drago. The dude was a chemical engineer. He's a smart dude. Uh, we rubbed Honest Hemp Balm on each other. Not on each other. I, I put Honest Mom on my, my neck. He put it on his ankle. We had a bonding moment. He got, you know, he really enjoyed I could tell he really was enjoying the uh, the interview. And I like that. I like that when people actually have fun. Like, I'm a people pleaser, as you know. And Mia is here with me. Mia, in, in case I'm going to say it again, Mia is a trans woman. I, if, I, if you ever in the past heard me refer to Tyler, our engineer slash podcast. Rob's not here, but Mia is. Right.
1: Or in the future, some of those episodes haven't aired yet either. Right. Yeah.
0: That's true. If you hear the word Tyler it's me hey guys <laughs> so just so you know anyway Dolph Lundgren talks about gosh I mean so, I'm mean, so many things I mean Grace Jones yeah you know going out with Grace Jones and their relationship and uh going to the dance clubs and um you don't expect Ivan Drago to have so much insight about life
1: like he dude, has so much to say about his career and the way that his life has been yeah it's incredible
0: not only that but he helped he helps me I he, there were just things that he said that was very profound about how we act as an adolescent. He, he really didn't learn a lot until he, he was in his 40s. He goes, I, I really didn't get it. Anyway, you guys are going to love this one. Uh, let's get inside Dolph Lundgren. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. inside of you with michael rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience yeah right i like it do you you sound like sly
1: hey.
0: did you you do a
1: sly hey doubt you like this knife <laughs> fucking great right <laughs> you hang out with him all the time don't you yeah, I like Stallone. He's, he's a nice guy <laughs> and, uh, you know, smart guy. And we're just friends. We've done, what, six films together. So What,
0: Expendables 1, 2, Rocky, three. 4,
1: 3. Three, Expendables, three. Uh, Rocky 4. Masters of the Universe. No, no, uh, no Creed that. 2. Creed 2. So what is that? Five. Five films.
0: Jesus. So what does he do? He says, yo, yo, dog! You know, I thought you might want to do this. You're, and you're like, are you going to pay me, you cheap bastard? Is that what the conversation is? No, no.
1: He's um, we have some similarities, even though he's he's, uh, you know, from Italian stock. I'm from Sweden, blonde. He's you know Italian, dark. <laughs> but there's something similar because we both did sports and we both had. I think similar upbringing in some ways, and that's why I think we get along on another level somehow, on a deeper level, just not just business or or acting, you know.
0: Yeah, because you're both smart. Like I read about you. I didn't know how you like studied chemical engineering. You watch, look, you watch. Here's the reality: when people watch Expendables, Rocky Four, all your action movies, you've worked with. You know, people look at you and go. I doubt he's a chemical engineer. They think, you know, they look at me, I'm an actor. They probably think, oh, this guy's an idiot. He dropped out of school. He just memorized his lines. But you know what it's I'm saying? He's a moron. He's a
1: moron. But <laughs> like the, Sly would say, he's a moron. He's a
0: moron. Are, are people usually shocked when they when they hear you say that? Like, you Because um, you're an educated guy.
1: Well, some people are. I mean, a lot of people know it by now. It took 35 years. But a lot of people know that I did engineering. And they're, they're a bit surprised, I guess, why. You know how you would go from one to the other, but yeah, I don't play a lot of chemical engineers in the movies. <laughs> I don't think there are a lot of scripts written for engineers or playing an engineer, maybe right. a nuclear physicist or something. I was thinking about it actually. There's a play about Niels Bohr, who was a physicist, you know, in the '30s, and he actually helped uh, with against well, the Nazis were trying to put a um, fabricate a bomb, and so it was Amer- the Americans, and uh, he actually helped uh, to. Kind of hold the German effort back by talking to another to German uh, nuclear physicist, and he met him in like nineteen forty or something like that in in, uh, Denmark. Denmark was occupied by the Germans anyway. There's a play about it, which is quite interesting. And he was about my age at the time, so I always thought it'd be kind of a a shocker to (laughs) show up as Niels Bohr, you know, to play him. Play him, yeah. Why not? I mean, I did study engineering, so I would understand what they're talking about. But it's, it's not. You should a, have
0: been in Chernobyl. Did you see the Chernobyl
1: yeah, TV show? Yeah, I saw it, yeah. I could see you playing one of those guys. Yeah, but I did play like Russian, so maybe I'll go for a Dane for a change. Yeah, Dane, right? Yeah. That's what you want to play. Actually, he wrote the letter to Einstein that kind of alerted Einstein, who lived in America at the time, because um, he was running away from the Nazis. He I, I alerted him about the fact that there was a way to split the atom to create this incredible energy. And then Einstein wrote a letter to to uh, Roosevelt, Right. And that's the letter that started off the Manhattan Project. So he that's kind of what the play is about, which and is quite interesting because it changed the history. And does the it get history. to
0: the Enola Gay taking the bombs too? N- uh, not
1: in the play. Not Kinda in the play. Kind of hard to do that on It's stage. hard to do. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> uh, I, I have to reread it, but it's, it's more about him and his wife, about Niels Bohr and his wife and this German who came to... Uh, Copenhagen, uh, and he was he was running Hitler's program, but somehow Bohr got to him. So after the war, they realized that he'd he'd helped to hold the Germans back, right. hold their program back.
0: All right, now I think you're just bragging, like uh- you know, because first <laughs> the chemical engineering, but then yeah. history. So we're we gonna go to every subject. We're gonna see how much you know.
1: <laughs> well, look, I think it is about engineering. I realize now, as I get older, that I think I just wanted to squeeze a lot of out of life. You know, I was in engineering, and then I ended up doing sports. I ended up, you know, working kind of as you know, as an actor, you work with your emotions and your, the kind of interior of yourself, and you're uh, more of a psych, psychological, emotional work. So, yeah, I'm trying to just see what else there is to do because you know, life is, is quite short, and uh, you know, I just want, I just want to get a full experience. Well,
0: that's what I'm looking. At. I'm looking at this like, uh, you know, you, you go on the Wikipedia. And you go all over the internet and you see all these things about you i was blown away that how much adversity you faced along with how much you've done you know what i mean yes and that was correct. that was and i think that's what i was really drawn is that you know you know, growing up wasn't the easiest thing for you, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people had tough childhoods, and you know, when you think yours is bad, then you hear another story, and that's worse than yours. And um, you know, the the idea is to grow up and try to get over it, make your own life, be a better father, be a better whatever. And so that's what like it hit me. It's like this is a guy who had a, faced a lot of a lot of shit, man, as a kid. And it's like how do how do you get through that? How do you tell another kid who's going through shit out there like? you can get through this?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I had to work on it myself first. I didn't really, I wasn't ready to help other people because I had, I was suffering from my own trauma <clears throat> from my childhood uh, up until about six, about five, six years ago, really. So, really? Yeah, more or less. I mean, I, you know, I had, well, I think I developed PTSD because my dad was very violent, right? So when you live in a in an environment where you're not safe, where you feel threatened, and like like a soldier on the battlefield, you may die any day. You develop uh, PTSD, you know, and uh, um, then you, what happens is, uh, I did this TED talk about it actually, something called escape syndrome, where you, you try to escape <clears throat> that feeling that's inside you by drinking or having sexual encounters, affairs, violence, yeah. self, some people go through self mutilations, things like that, but... I think I escaped it by being involved in in contact sports, you know, hockey, and then of course uh, martial arts, karate, boxing, and um, then uh, as an actor, you can escape it too. You can hijack it and use it, but it doesn't mean if you hijack it, doesn't mean that you you get rid of it. You can still run your life.
0: Yeah, but what about like when you say you, you went to combat sports? Was that because in your head you're like, I got to get stronger and bigger so I could beat the shit out of my dad?
1: Yeah. Was that what you so. were thinking? Well, I think so. I don't think I, if I plan to beat the shit out of him, I don't know, but I plan <laughs> to not get hurt again, not let it happen again. So by the time I started it, I was about 13, and my dad had already kicked me out of the house to my grandparents because I think as a certain age... Even if you beat a kid who's seven, that's one thing. If you beat somebody who's thirteen, fourteen, the the boy is becoming a man or a young man, and it becomes a different deal. Becomes almost, I think, a, a little more, a little scarier for the for the guy who who beats the, uh, a boy at that right, age because right. he can hit back, or you have to hit him harder, and maybe you'll hurt him, maybe you'll really hurt him, which I don't think he wanted to really hurt me. He just wanted to take his own frustration, frustration and, you
0: know i mean you called yourself a runt though i look at you now you're six five you're like what are you two 230 240 <laughs> yeah, 230 i mean you're in perfect shape uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> i'm not hitting on you dog. no no i mean you're a handsome it's guy okay, it's okay i'm just saying i'm looking at you and i'm like going how how old are you
1: um 61 so how do you do it though <laughs> well that's well part of it was probably i was very driven as a kid and i you know, I worked out a lot, and I was trying to... I realized karate was, you know, good for me. I, I was a very good fighter. I I had that killing in, killer instinct, you know. You, when I got hurt, it made me better, you know, because either fight or flight. So I would turn... If I got hurt... I Actually, I would let the opponent hurt me a bit, usually. I would try. That got to, you going? Mm-hmm. So you want to be hit so you can get mad? Yeah. What? Well, you don't really get mad as... You don't get mad. It just comes like a feeling of um survival that takes over that gives you an extra energy push doesn't mean you hate the person it just means like you can overcome them and you can beat them
0: so you're not one of those guys that likes to go out swinging you're like the guy that gets no. hit and then goes so wait a minute are you saying that Dolph Lundgren is kind of like Ivan Drago because Ivan he kinda, Drago. I mean Did he want to get hit I don't, don't want to jump to that but <laughs> I'm just saying you know he he can get hit but then he just goes after it makes him more mad he just gets more ferocious
1: No. um, Yeah, in one way. I don't know. I was always... uh, I think I was the only kid who arrived at the dojo with a a briefcase, uh, you know, dressed in a shirt and tie, you know, from school, you know, from college, from engineering school. So obviously I used it for some kind of relief of my emotional state. It wasn't like I wanted to be a champion. That just happened. Were you popular in high school? Um, I was getting kind of popular as I got... Better in karate, because usually doing well in physics and chemistry doesn't help you much with the <laughs> chicks, you know. It doesn't. And I didn't realize that I was very, very shy with the girls. I still am, sort of thing. But I, I was very shy. I didn't have a girlfriend until I was about 20. Well, not really until I met Grace, which when I was Grace Jones when I was about 25. That was your first girlfriend? Well, you real, had sex real before then. Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. Pretty thanks thanks you, uh, for filling us bad, in on it, that. Bad
0: attempts at it, you know. Well, I still have those bad <laughs> attempts. I, I mean, I'm not always. In fact, I apologize. I'll just say, hey. I used to too. Yeah. I you know, sorry, it was so fast. Uh, compliments to you.
1: Mm, yeah. Well, mine was <laughs> even, Mine weren't even that good. So it was less. It was not as successful as that.
0: Well, that's good. You're at least admitting <laughs> that you're not perfect
1: uh that's true yeah i think that's what drives people forward that you have an inside feeling of yourself that you're not perfect and that's See, what makes you
0: well i think that's what hinders me actually like my biggest thing is i i'm not you kidding you're perfect no no, no.
1: no. <laughs> i don't think i'm perfect
0: no i really here's the thing i yes. i try to that
1: we'll be back anyway <laughs>
0: You could do them all. Can you do all the impressions? You do Schwarzenegger, you do Sloan? Well, I can do this guy, you know. Wow, Michael. just a random? Yeah,
1: that's all. yeah. All right,
0: so, all right, real quick, if you do impressions, obviously, no, no, no. I'll be you. No. You be
1: you be Stallone. No, I don't want to do too much. I already did it. But man. wow, you're good at that. <clears throat> yeah. I will get I back do, to that. We will get back to it. But what was I saying?
0: I was just saying that, like, my problem is and I'm going to this retreat, this, like, mental retreat for three weeks because my problem is that I'm always. I'm just talking about it openly, as I always do. Yeah, but I always feel like if I'm not perfect at something, and and look, I know perfection is a fantasy. I fail if I go out there and everybody's laughing when I'm doing stand up, and I kill it. I walk off, and I'm thinking, oh, that one guy didn't do it. I wasn't good enough. I, for some reason, I'm so hard on myself, and I know that stems. It's got to stem from a lot of you know not getting approval as a kid, not you know. And you, what kind of resonated when we first started talking? You said. It wasn't until about five years ago or something that you kind of dealt with a lot of this shit. Yeah, which kind of gives me hope. So I was like almost happy to hear, that because yeah. I'm getting I'm 47, yeah. going on 47, and I'm thinking I got to get clear my mind of this stuff because I'm getting too old for it. But like I, you know, it affects you not only psychologically but physiologically. I think things especially. Phys- yeah. How it had it? Did things come out physically for you that were all mental, like sort of related?
1: Well, I think you know. When you're younger, you you're much more resilient for, uh, emotionally. Your immune your immune system and your you your uh, nervous system is much stronger, so you can take much more damage, you know, and, and pressure and self doubt and things like that. But as you get older, you know, you, you yeah, naturally you get more uh, you get more um, uh, fatigued. Uh, fatig- <laughs> no, you get more more vulnerable. You have to look for some kind of spiritual path as you get older um, to support you in that way. So I started meditating and I, I started doing th- psychotherapy because I, I had a divorce and uh, because I was drinking too much, I was just messing around, you know, being unfaithful and right. basically screwing up my my family life because that stuff started hitting me, you know, and I and it's escape. you're trying to escape, but it's in here. So I had to deal with it inside me and uh, my new girlfriend kind of knew that something was wrong and i knew i was gonna end up losing her as well unless i did something so first i started meditating i got this little little dvd and i started the cd and started listening to it and and then you know got more and more into it and i started reading about it and then now i meditate between 30 minutes and an hour depending on you do it every day every day you don't miss it no and um the other thing is um then I got into psychotherapy, and then I realized, you know, this PTSD, uh, which was kind of running my life, and which I had used to be become a fighter, and somehow an action star, which I didn't know, okay, that just happened to me. You know, I didn't plan that. Um, then I kind of worked on that a little bit, and I kind of, you know, uh, got over some of those ailments. And um, What is psychotherapy? What does psychotherapy do? What does it do? Yeah. Well, in my case it makes you uh, you go back and relive those experiences where, in my case, as a young boy, I was um, faced with uh, three... You have three choices if, if you get attacked physically. Fight, flight, or there's a third one called freeze. And if you can't fight back and you can't run away because you're at home and you can't fight your dad because he's too big, then it's called freeze, which means that you... It's like an animal. If a lion's taking an antelope, just when it's about to attack it, the antelope just—if you see in these videos—it just kind of goes dead, right? Because one, it wants not to suffer, and two, sometimes the predator will leave it alone if it's not fighting back. So that happens to people too. So if if you can't fight back and you can't f- and you can't run away, you know, you your body just goes dead, and you kind of st- all the emotion, all the energy is stored inside. And then you try to get rid of it, but by reliving that experience 50 years later in a different way, you can get out of it. They do it in a certain way, that type of therapy, where you where you actually end each session on a positive note. So after a while, that negative energy kind of dissolves like a piece of ice or whatever in your chest, and then you, it doesn't run your life anymore. So you can make decisions from, you know, uh, from what's happening in front of you instead of what. What you went through because a lot of people make decisions not from what's in front of them it's from something that was done to them you know 50 years ago
0: you really swear by psychotherapy I like uh. now after this is over can you can you give me a number of someone yeah you could yeah. someone in la yeah and th- now what happens when i go in there like, let's say our first session and you're my psychotherapist. I could tell you could already, you're already looking at me like, yeah, you are fucked
1: up. <laughs> you're looking at me like I could tell you got some shit going yeah, on. Yeah, you know what David Mamet said? Nobody with a happy childhood ever went into show business.
0: Mm. <laughs> you know what's funny? I always get so true, right? I mean, because you have something to draw from. Well, you you have, have something
1: to, to draw from. I'm, I mean, I'm pleased to my dad. Had a crazy side. I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't wouldn't have made all those films, or wouldn't have won any, you know, uh, trophies or anything. Probably.
0: I feel the same way. I feel like you know, again, your childhood sounds like it was. I mean, it, it was. Wasn't,
1: it wasn't terrible. It wasn't. You know, I wasn't in concentration camp. It was right. Just, right. It was just you know, you know, it was it was damaging to some some
0: degree. Was it psychological? Like I love you and then hit you. Was it those? Or he never? Well, told he never, you never love said you? I love you, yeah, but my, he would say.
1: Name. You know, you want your parents' approval. And when somebody that you love, because everybody loves their parents, hurts you physically, it's you blame yourself. And then you end up blaming yourself. And then you end up thinking you're not good enough. And that will, you know, influence how you do things later in life.
0: You said something really important, man. You just said, I know we're getting deep, but I like this, dude. (laughs) I like that you're getting deep on this.
1: Yeah, I'm Um, used to it. You're used to it. No, I like I like it as you can tell. I'm uh, this is my yeah. I love this, this shit. Is my hobby right. And now. And by
0: the way, Katie is your friend. She's been, she's been working for you yeah. forever, right? Yeah. And she's amazing. Hi, Katie.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. She she's
0: amazing. and I met in New York, and I remember she took me to the Grammys one time. She's working for Diana Ross, and I thought she, we're gonna like sit in the back row. And next thing I know, we're picking up Diana Ross in the limo. We're hanging out with Ray Charles and like all these people. I'm wearing this crazy, whacked out elbow suit. So. Thank you, Katie, for getting, you know, Dolph you know, here.
1: He's, he, you know, you're you're a hero. A Ray lot of Charles, years. look at those guys. I mean, look at the sh- shit that those guys went through. Jesus, yeah. yeah. You, know, you got one guy there, for instance. I was never a heroin addict or I wasn't blind, you know, so I didn't have those things to overcome.
0: Were, were, I mean, you were, yeah, that's true. I mean, you were lucky because, I mean, you got size.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I, mean, I don't know if that's good. If it's you hard ate, to find clothes. Do you, you,
0: know? <laughs> do, you do you hurt? <laughs> <laughs> do you like? Does your body hurt from all the work you've done? It has to hurt. Yeah, it's a stupid question because no the it karate. Does. The... It does. It does. What it do you does do hurt. for
1: pain? You know, it it hurts. Yeah, occasionally, depending how much I train and if I do any crazy stunts, it gets worse. But mm. you know, I, I take painkillers sometimes, or you know, anti inflammatories. Norco. Yeah, I do. Like a Norco every once in a while. Not that much. No, mostly like anti inflammatories and. Uh, Advil and sometimes stronger stuff, but not that much. Yeah. I just took a Norco, got an out Well, because you had some. Uh, Neck surgery. Yeah, yeah surgery. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm doing all right, though. I'm down to one a week.
0: Or one, a, one a day. One a day.
1: One no. Day. Sorry, I that's have a big difference. That, I've been it? on that stuff. <laughs> you have? Yeah, I've been on uh, what's the strong one? Oxycontin. Oxycontin. I've I, done it that one. I wasn't on that. I've done that. I didn't like that one. That was. Uh, yeah you know, it's I it just made me sick. My man.
0: dad makes them. He's manufactured. He worked oh. for Watson No, 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 not illegally. <laughs> he worked for Watson Laboratories and he he manufactured the most uh, he's manufactured more Oxycontin than anybody in the history of of the I world. Should. Yeah, he. That's what he did. He was a plant manager. He's like he goes over to China and and helps them figure out their plants and stuff.
1: was a that. morph a morphine based, isn't it? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I had like call my a, dad.
0: I'll call my dad right
1: now. No, no morphine <laughs> because I I did have a I had um I had some hip surgery and, and uh, before I had the surgery I had this huge you know incredible cramp. I mean I had this incredible pain. I went into ER and they gave me a shot of morphine. I think it was. And and that was pretty nice. That's good. Yeah, it was good stuff.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how, like, the only thing I'm addicted to, it's not a... I've had seven surgeries. But what I love is, I know it sounds like I'm an addict, and I'm not. I'm a control freak. I don't want to be out of control, so I don't like to... Like, I don't have an addictive personality. But when they put me under... Yeah. I always say, listen, let me at least enjoy it for 10 minutes, 5 minutes. So my assistant was filming me all fucked up. So it's me, and they're going... I just, I just want some applesauce. I just, that's all I want is some applesauce. And I'm telling you, for those ten minutes though, there's no feeling like that. But you get addicted to that shit. There's no life.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're done. That's true. Yeah, look at uh, a lot of artists, and you know, yeah, like Elvis Presley or Jackson or whatever it was, they were all into painkillers. Yeah, it wasn't like little drugs like cocaine or whatever it was. Yeah, it's heroin. Trying to come down. Yeah, it was <clears throat> Hendrix, Joplin, Morrison, all those yeah. guys. It's all too heroin. much. Reality was just too much for them, I think, because they're too sensitive, and there's too much going on, too much fame, and too much money, and you know, attention and uh, love, and yeah.
0: You said something like, when you're younger, you have so much uh, energy and resilience, and your immune system's strong, yeah. and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and that hit home. That's what I was one of the points I was trying to get through a little while ago. Is that. That's what I feel like. I felt like no matter how stressed, no matter how you have a meeting here, you got to go audition for this big TV show. You have one, you have two hours to learn this. You have this. You're on set every day, 14 hours, and I could do it, even though I was still fear based and scared and trying to get the confidence that I'd find it. You know, eventually, I had enough energy in the tank for some reason for so many years, and then I hit about 43, and that's when I've started to go, "Oh my god, I got to do something because I can't handle this." I don't. For some reason, I don't know if. I hid a lot of certain you know, certain things as a child or c- certain things growing up that I just kind of like put deep down and kept there. Sometimes I feel like everything surfaced. Like my life isn't like what's the purpose? Like I have a great career. I'm very lucky. I have a house. I have great friends. I have all these things. But sometimes I feel like I'm going through the motions. And that's when I notice something's a little off. I sort of disconnected did you go through a stage where you were really depressed and then you had so much fame that you forgot about it or it numbed everything where you were you just forgot about it and then
1: all of a sudden it caught up to you do you want to lay on the couch and I'll sit over there no. anyway uh i'm telling you well you know what this helps me this is what this show is
0: by the way this becomes therapy for me i'm glad to hear this shit you're helping people doll
1: let's start with you no. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, it's like if, you, if you're if you sick, if you have a toothache, it'd be better to go to the dentist. You can stay at home. And you can try to put some needles in there and wash your mouth with salt water. At some point, you got to go and see a dentist or you're going to be in a lot of pain. And it's just people have this adversary to psychotherapy. It's something bad, but it's not real. It's just talking to a guy who's who is a specialist in those type of problems. And then you can have somebody listening and maybe give you some good advice of how to get out of it. Have you done hypnotherapy? They no. put
0: you to sleep? Um, I'm always, look, the good thing is I'm proactive. I'm always looking to, for something to, you know, I'm learning to meditate. The thing is, I think it's consistency. I think if you could just go, oh, you know what? I'll meditate today. I think, you, like you said, you do it every day. Little you bit. have
1: structure in your life, right? If you,
0: do you have yeah. structure?
1: Very, very much so. It's the only thing that keeps me sane because my business, as you know, is like the old days. They used to have the wagon and then they travel from town to town and you perform over here and then you go over there. And you know, it's like in the old uh, Shakespeare days, it's the same now. It's the same now. You just got to travel to South Africa for four months. Then you're in Australia for four months. Then you come home for three weeks. Then you're in Philly for three months. And then Jesus. suddenly a whole year passed. And you're like, shit. Are you know? just telling me your life just now? Well, that, that was happened. my last year. That's what it was. So I was you're... gone for eight, nine months last year. But it was kind of a special year. It was good for me, film-wise. But it was tough. Uh, you family. Know, family and, and just... For my own nervous system, because you, when you're not sleeping in your own bed, you never feel like really relaxed. You can't quite relax, you know?
0: Do you ever get anxiety? Yeah. Still? Every
1: day. Are you kidding no, me? That's on. the reason I, I meditate. You just, by the way, again,
0: you just sounded like
1: <laughs> on you every day. Every fucking day. Every fucking day. Hey, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Every day. You no, know, every day in the morning, I, I get up and I meditate, hopefully. I mean, preferably, I try to do it right before sunrise or right around sunrise, and um all the anxiety from the previous day, business, family, health, all of those issues that I think most people deal with, they hit you when you sit still. Because we're not used to being in the domain of being without sleeping. Domain of doing is like sitting right here talking or training or whatever. And then we go to sleep, then we wake up and we do things all day. But you sit there with your own body and your own thoughts and feelings and not do anything that that's kind of an enlightening you realize who you really are you're not your thoughts you're something else you know
0: you know what it's it's hard i know for a lot of people (laughs) listening but i'll tell you what dude it's it's hard for people to imagine even me who does like believe in it even though i haven't really immersed myself into it as much as i should like you have but i feel like this is the idea the idea that You know, you're gonna wake up in the morning, and you know I feel anxious, so I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna meditate for 20 minutes, and I'm gonna breathe, and then I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna have stress. It just doesn't sound like that's gonna work. Being in your mind, in your own head, that you're trying to get out of, but it's but it's something about being present. It's something about like I don't know, just. When you can kind of go blank, when you can kind of get rid of all the being noise. Being mindful,
1: it's called be, mindful.
0: Being mindful, mindfulness. Uh,
1: mindfulness, uh, seeing uh, the true nature of existence because you're not thinking, you're not trying to do things, you're not trying to analyze too much and just kind of be there and be the observer of everything. that That's kind of a, a, re- a re- feeling of relief not to have to think and try to plan things all the time and, and keep up with change because change, it goes so fast you can't keep up with it. So right. you, manage, you just don't even try for a while, at least for half hour during the day or maybe 20 minutes, it's three minutes or whatever. What's the worst anxiety attack you ever had? <sighs> I don't know. When I got divorced, it was pretty bad because you, you think your kids are suffering and... I, I, then i then i had these anxiety attacks i'd be sleeping i couldn't couldn't that's kind of what got me into meditating and stuff and, and psychotherapy is uh yeah when you wake up realize you've effed up and fucked up like your whole family and it was my fault it wasn't all my fault but i'd blame myself for a lot of it and that was bad i remember that was really bad like not being able to breathe like yeah and or <laughs> like... if you're going to break up usually i don't have bad Things relationship with my kids, but like my girlfriend, if we have a huge fight, like we, we broke up for a year, and that that was anxiety, you know, like the emotional uh pain. Is probably the, wor- and the worst. And obsessing over it, did you obsess over it? Yeah, because... I gotta
0: talk to her, I gotta text her, she's gotta,
1: yeah, trying to have control. No, I'm never gonna see her again, I'm, not, I'm never gonna see this person again, but I'm sure anxiety I mean I read the Dalai Lama quite a bit when I you know on, on and off and he has like uh, one book that's like 365 pages of advice one for each day of the year I could read a little bit before you go to, I usually read before I go to sleep but I mean basically it says in you know in Buddhism they start preparing you for death early on by meditating so in other words it's not an alien concept for them and they, it doesn't become there's no suffering involved. Less suffering. I mean, on the path right. to get there, because that's at the bottom of most human suffering. Is because we know we're going to die, you know, and that. So it's all anxiety. Kind of, I think, comes from that. Are you afraid of dying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everybody, I don't want to die either. I, but on the other hand, I'd like to say, if you got, if somebody said you could live for, 10, for a thousand years, you probably would commit suicide long before then anyway. Yeah, because you, you, know, you know the thing too. Yeah, know. you
0: don't want to see all your friends and family no, die. No, you don't want to see all your kids, that, right? Yeah,
1: no. No, who wants to see that shit? So it is just a matter of how can you live reasonably happily every day and and not think about it too much, or at least you know not worry about it that much, I guess.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra Uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest they'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com/inside. That's rocketmoney.com/inside. rocketmoney.com/inside. I saw a picture of you holding up Grace Jones from uh-huh. way back in the day. Yeah. And uh, you said
1: happy birthday, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. She just turned. Uh, she she it was a birthday. She, a she just turned thirty. Yeah,
0: thirty-five.
1: I think thirty-five. Was, three days ago. And you were you were a bouncer at a club, or you became her bodyguard? Yeah, I was a bouncer in uh, Australia, in Sydney, Australia. I was studying engineering at the school there, and I University of Sydney. And um, yeah, I ran into her because I did security at uh, rock concerts, and uh, she was one of them. So I I was picked out to be like her personal security afterwards. Me and a couple of two of my friends. And, of course, she'd seen me, so she was wanted to pick me out. Not she hit really, on you? She didn't realize that. Yeah, I I, I figured it out sort of late at night when we were up in a hotel suite and people started leaving, and pretty soon it was just her and me left. <laughs> really? I was like... Uh, and were you very attracted I, to her at this I point? I get it. Okay. And you were into it? Well, I was. Yeah, I was attracted to her. How me. old was she at the time? Well, I, I was well, about 20 and probably she was about 30 or 29
0: and so you guys obviously had sex that night yes i mean what year was this 82 i mean look (laughs) here you are you are a class. you're a guy at a concert (laughs) right you're listening to some concert you think oh i'm gonna have the little radio and i'm gonna fucking sit here with a bunch of other guys and next thing you know grace jones is hitting on you yeah and then you have a really how long did you date five years
1: uh yeah, four years. We were together for four years. Was, after that, was that tough? Was it a great relationship? Love and love and craziness. It was love and craziness. Yeah, it was. You know, I, I came to New York and I was in a study at uh, up at um, MIT in Boston, and I had a degree already, but I had six months off, so I, I came to New York, ended up going to fifty four, and running into Andy Warhol, Michael Jackson, all of these people, and you know, and all the craziness that went with it, because this is right before AIDS. Right, they said it was a period between. Contraception becoming kind of uh, you know accepted, and the onset of AIDS it was about ten years, I guess, when things got a little crazy. So
0: you effed <laughs> as much as you could eff.
1: Pretty much. Well, I was together with her. <laughs> God, but then... Wouldn't it
0: be great to eff and not worry about
1: effing? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what it was like at fifty-four. Like they said, I saw that documentary that was just out called Studio 54, it's really good, you know. In those days, said, like, if you once you got through, once you were let in, because, you know, they got, there was a little guy who picked you out, Mark, uh, whatever his name was, that bouncer, a famous little good-looking guy. Anyway, once you got in, you could do anything you wanted. Anything. Anything. Nobody cared. No, and, no, and there was no, like... Oh, you know the, you know the fire department going to show up. Or like, oh, the cops I, are there's I, like I, undercover, undercover cops and you know there was none of that. I actually. have a vision. I picture you. <laughs> but I wasn't with, that crazy. So was so your I, shirt
0: off? Were you it dancing, was, sweat But
1: I, I was, knew it. But I used to go and run. I used to. We lived in, in the West Village. I used to go for a run at five in the morning, no matter whatever. I mean, if I'd been up till 4.30, I'd still go for a run. So I was so You training. were disciplined then? I was disciplined, yeah, a lot. Wow. And I wasn't doing drugs or anything like that, so... Did you meet Andy Warhol? Yeah. Like, what would he say? Oh, hi. He said, uh, I just really... Uh, hi, what are you famous for? What'd you say? <laughs> Nothing, I'm as far pretty, as I know, he said, I'm, I'm going to put you in my kill. magazine. <laughs> <laughs> did he say that? Yeah. Was he hitting on you? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> then they did a photo shoot, and I found out afterwards that there was a bet between him and the photographer to get him to take all my clothes off which I they, I didn't do it. <laughs> Did you get some of your clothes off? Well, sure. Yeah, I got my um, shirt off. I
0: was used to it. <laughs> Dolph, um would you mind? Or were you Hans then? Hans. You were
1: Hans back yeah, then. Yeah.
0: Hans, can you just take your shirt off?
1: Please. <laughs> Andy would like to see it. <laughs>
0: would like to see it that would have been just a oh my
1: god what a treat you really lived a life man yeah it was, it was cool and i remember being at the because i was sitting with my daughter and you know the advertising comes on for you know buy the dvd for the motown 25th anniversary concert where you know michael jackson did them for his moonwalk and Diana ross was there and there's like a, a musical um, on broadway about it called the uh, motown um, and, uh, so I told Ida, my, my daughter, hey, I was there actually. I remember I was there with Grace Jones watching the whole thing and it's like, you were there. Yeah. Wow. Michael Jackson came on and I said, what's the big deal with this kid? You know? And she's like, don't ever say that about Michael. Jackson. He's the most talented guy ever. He's going to be a huge star. I was like, all right, sure. Whatever, Grace. Yeah, sure. <laughs> whatever. And, he, and she was right. Cause then the thriller came out and then he was a huge star, you know? Wow.
0: <laughs> Man, you've been around, dude. Yeah. From grace, like you—you you weren't thinking at this
1: time. I want to be an actor. No, how had, had that happen? Because you were modeling. You started doing that. I was modeling a little bit because I wanted to get an H one, to call like a work visa, and uh, then I was doing karate and I had some friends in New York that were, you know, I was already a ch- karate champion. So they said, "Yeah, man, hey, man, you know, you could be in the movies. You can fight. You look good. You know, you should try to try to study some acting." So what is
0: something. that like? Eighty-two after you just
1: three? right? And then I, um, you know, found a, a, this acting coach through Grace who helped her on uh, the Bond movie. She did the Bond film. With, you to uh, a uh, Kill. Moore. Yeah.
0: Do you remember the Duran Duran song? Oh, yeah.
1: Let me hear you sing it. Missing um, you. Um, no, no, no. Was a view to a kill. <laughs> Wasn't that it? <laughs> yeah, but it was a little more upbeat than that.
0: I dun dun.
1: I forgot how it was. Uh, I remember the op- <laughs> the, open- the opening, and no, uh, it was wrong. Chris Walken. Chris Walken was the bad guy, and uh, bad. It was bad. Yeah, <laughs> Dolph. And then I was um, I was in um, San Francisco for the premiere, and I was um, uh, I was training with Stallone at the time for Rocky IV, and uh, you know, I told him, "Yeah, can I get some time off from training and go for it? you know?" Because he knew Grace, and, well, he knew us with Grace, and who knew Grace? Uh, well, he knew that I was with Grace because I was living in here in Los Angeles, and she was staying with me a little bit. and And he said, oh, "Forget the bomb movies, you know. Wait till this picture opens, you know." So like, he's and I, I didn't realize he, he was he was right. I mean, obviously the the Rocky thing was just a really big deal.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. I hear that is this right? Because my story is that seven hundred actors auditioned for the carp that I got Lex Luthor, but I think uh-huh. five thousand actors auditioned for
1: Ivan Drago. Is it Ivan Drago, right? Yeah, I, I think so. That's what Stallone told me. I mean, I I was in his office uh, when I first met him, and uh, he auditioned you. Well, he started. Well, I met. What happened was I I went up into New York for a cast for like a cattle call. I said, you know, it was like hundreds of guys there and. I just came up to this table and there was a woman sitting there, and you know, uh, for, for a boxing movie. I didn't know what it was. And then okay. she just said, Well, how tall are you? And I said, Six, four. And she's like, Too tall, next. And I'm like, uh, Hang on a minute. And I looked behind her and there was a sign saying Rocky Four, like handwritten. So I said, Oh shit, a Rocky movie. So then <laughs> I took some pictures because I was a fighter, so I knew all the Rocky. I mean, I, Rocky 3 was a. I loved Rocky Three with Mr. T and all that. Oh, so yeah. I took some pictures of myself in boxing gear, and I sent them through my acting coach, who was actually somebody who sort of knew Burt Young. He knew Burt Young, who was a friend of... Uh, Pauly. Paulie, yeah, Pauly. So uh, uh, Pauly gave the my photos to John Hertzfeld, who's a good friend of Stallone's, actually one of his best friends, director. And th- that guy gave him to Sly. So s- by six months later, they flew me into L.A. I was in Europe at the time. Some PA called me. Oh, thank God, I found you! You know, I've been looking for you for months. Stallone's gonna kill me. Whatever it was, so he found me, and then they flew me, in and then I met Stallone. He had long hair. He was gonna do Rambo too. What did he say? He, the first thing he said, I can't remember what I said. So, uh, you know, you gotta put on some weight. I mean, it's like, uh, to... <laughs> we took some stuff, took some Polaroids, and he had, yeah, I got five thousand guys, your usual, sure. so. You had all of these you know, this is before computers, so they had all of these binders with but eight by tens everywhere around the whole the whole room. Hey, could you take your shirt off? <laughs> your pants. I was used to that part. My buddy Andy Warhol's here wants to talk to <laughs> you. <laughs> so uh we uh, took some Polaroids and then I had to do a real audition six months later, like a real screen test.
0: What was that like? Were you nervous?
1: Yeah, I was. Well, I'd worked on the character a lot and it was really good shape and I'd worked on the monologue and I decided to keep it very internal and not to yell too much or you know 'cause I studied these uh looked at these Soviet officers. Officer cadets where they still their chin up. Like they have a certain look to it, you know, chin up, kinda of proud you know hero of the Soviet Union. Yeah. And uh I, they flew me into LA and I'm in this hotel, some cheap hotel. And um, go down to have um, breakfast because I knew you know this audition is coming up, and I didn't want to eat more than like half a you know, like half a piece of toast because I was all ripped, you know. I didn't want to put on any weight. And, I, and the elevator opens and there's like a six foot five blonde guy looking at me. Oh, good morning. And then whatever, there's some other dude down there, and I'm like, oh shit, okay. So there was three of us. So did you think you're gonna get it, or were you like, I'm not gonna get this? I didn't know. This guy uh,
0: actually has a Russian accent. <sighs> I, I was pretty
1: confident because I knew I'd really worked on it. And, uh, but it was nerve wracking because they had in those days, you know, is it, is a, a Dolly track and one camera 35 going down the track towards me. Here's my Mark and my, you know, my shorts, no shirt. And there's about a 50 people behind the camera, a as his bodyguards and a bunch of people in suits. And then I had to do this in you know, a one take of this, uh, monologue, which, They used later in the trailer, teaser trailer, where it starts something like, my name is Drago. I'm a fighter from the Soviet Union. It starts like that. And then the camera creeps in, and it kind of comes around my boots first. You see the Soviet boots, and it goes up my thighs and comes up. Anyway, so I go back to I wanted to hear the rest of that monologue. I, I was in, man. You remembered it. I fight the old champion. Well, like
0: you know, what my. By the way, yeah. You probably get this. You know what the best part of that movie was? At the end, you kind of looked at him like, yeah, the good job. It was just in your eyes, yeah. Like you looked at him like, hey, way to way to go. But something. you know, I don't what know what it that was? was?
1: What was? No, you know what it was. Was the story. It was really the Frankenstein myth. It was the monster has been created by somebody else, Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah. It wasn't like Mister T was just on his own out there right. kicking ass. It was, you know, it was was the Soviets that created this guy. So you kind of felt Your coach, drago, your trainer, but...
0: he was the bad guy. He yeah, was just yeah. the guy that was trying to do his job. Yeah, that's it. So
1: that's why I think I... It was touching. You liked him right then. <laughs> it was crazy how you could hate somebody and then love them Well, I think it kind of got me into having a career sort of as a leading man, you know. And yeah. you know, I'm playing a few villains here and there, but mostly as kind of a leading man, not just being stuck as that, you know, what it could have been. Even though it has... Of course, some people will always remember. Everybody remember that character, but it's still, you know.
0: You used to get residuals from Rocky Four? <sighs> not much. <laughs> what's what's the most you get in the year? Maybe ten grand.
1: Yeah. No, probably not even that. I don't know. I didn't make much money in that picture, but I didn't care because, you know. It just brought you some. Yeah, it was a lot of money for me in those days, you know. Yeah. So I
0: didn't care, really. That's great, man. You know, Sly is, uh, when I worked with Sly, he was just like, I had these these dots all over my face. He, uh, what was that for? It was for Guardians of the Galaxy. And I had the, I sm- a small part, but like, you know, my buddy, he's one of my best friends. He ended up giving me like four lines in the movie, like three scenes with Sly. And yeah. I had dots all over my face. And the first thing he said was like, hey, who do you supposed to be? Peppy Longstocking with your dots all over your face. And like he would do these things where I had a line and he was like looking up on the set. And he's like, look at this. They got rust. You think they would have learned how to lose rust? Get rid of rust in the future. <laughs> and then he's I saw. A funny guy, and yeah, then I had neck guy. surgery, and we had like, he, uh, I, got, I said something like about Sly to my surgeon. The surgeon goes, "Sly's actually here. He's he's walking up right now. He just texted me because he's. It's like, oh, I'll bring him in here. And he went in there, and we started talking about our necks and our pains. And like my fucking back. We had the same back <laughs> surgeon. We just had this connection on set. <laughs> He was. Uh, he was. He's such a funny guy. He
1: is. He's very funny. He is. It's just like unbelievable. Him. Yeah, I like him a lot. I mean, we got along. You know, he was my boss in many movies, and the last one now in Creed Two, you know, which he, you know, obviously it's his creation, the whole Rocky franchise, but now it's sort of Michael B. Jordan and the director, and you know, MGM kind of runs the show, and he's more like an actor, you know, like I was an actor, And so we were kind of both actors on the this, on this film together, which was kind of nice for. For me especially, you know, where it was just mainly he's working with him as an actor, not so much as yes sir and no sir, you know, like a boss, like is my you So know.
0: you had a good time?
1: I Had a good time. Really good time. Yeah, he's he's funny like you said. He's a he's a very uh, humorous guy. Do you ever uh, go into jobs like At this point obviously we,
0: everybody's done this, but do you really have to like something or if you're like, wow, they're paying me a lot of money, I'll fucking just do it? <laughs> I'm fucking do
1: it. No, I think that. Um, <laughs> fucking... No, I mean, recently I've actually been. It's gone the opposite. I've taken a lot of stuff for just for money back in the, not only for money, but you know, mostly for that purpose in the past. But now I'm. I think it has to do with being older and getting older, and also thinking more about. Spiritual matters. Like, you know, I was really happy with Rock, uh, Creed Two because it's kind of about redemption and about forgiveness. And I got to play a father who was kind of cruel to his son, but he makes up uh, at the wow. end. And in Aquaman, I played a father to, you know, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Mara. Mara, yeah. Kate Mara. Uh, Mara, yeah, no, Mera was uh, what's her Mara name? Mara Cervini. What the fuck? Is no, that? Johnny Depp's <laughs> ex-wife, um, Amber Heard. Was Amber she was Heard. A very nice. So I got to play her father, who and she, you know worried a lot about her, which I could relate to because of my daughter. So you know, I think that I would rather do stuff where I feel there's some kind of purpose to it and some kind of positive message. In, at the end of the... Well, and you my, can do that now. I can, career, yeah, you know? I can. So I do that most... I have a, small, a couple of smaller movies I'm working on. They're all like that. I always try to twist it around so I can get some kind of positive, inspirational message in there I somewhere. like that. That's important. Yeah, which
0: you, is cool for me. you ever cry in front of your daughters?
1: Yeah, too much. You they do? Hate it. They hate it.
0: What do you mean? What do you cry about? <laughs> I want to hear this
1: because I cry. When did I cry? Last time I started sort of crying was last night we were watching um <laughs> last night, we were you... watching honey i shrunk the kids you cried in honey i shrunk you the kids you know when when the, the ant dies the aunt, yes. when he dies it's sort of sad isn't it and you cried well i started but it wasn't really full on but and the girls noticed yeah, they know. So they say, Dad, are you crying? Yeah, I'm very, I'm a very sensitive guy, you know.
0: I, I like that, man, because I cry, and sometimes I feel like, you know, I never saw my dad cry. No, you know, he was, eye. you know, my dad was never like, hey, I was like, Dad, I scored three goals in the hockey game. He's like, yeah, but there was a weak goalie. You know, he never heard him say, I love you. There was a lot of stuff like that. He was really hard. But here's the problem: my dad was also six foot five, two thirty or whatever. Like he's like you, and I was the smallest kid in my high school. I didn't grow till after high school, yeah. so I was this little, really a little runt. But I, you know, I was always a crier my, my dad was, I remember seeing a Broadway show at my, my parents. And if you had a, like a camera and you went down the line, you'd see my little brother who was my, my dad's, like he was emulating. He always wanted to, you know, him and my dad were like the best friends. In fact, one time my mom said in front of me, in front of everybody, come on, Mark, to my dad. Everybody knows that Eric's your favorite. And I'm like, oh, nice. I'll never forget it. And my <laughs> dad's like, come on, what do you What? Come on. But I knew it. She was just saying what I knew. But she shouldn't have fucking said it because she's psycho. I love my mom, but she's a fucking psychopath. You know, she's a fucking nutbag. She's been on Valium since she's eight. <laughs> I love you, mom, but fuck. So anyway, she should have done some therapy it would have been cheaper. Jesus Christ, she needs to But be- here's the thing: she lies so much; she believes her own lies.
1: You can't yeah. talk to someone like that. Well, look, the th- one thing in therapy, you realize everybody has their own stories. So my dad, even though he was, you know, very violent and crazy in many ways. I understand, that, but you know he was a little boy at some point too, you know, and he got abused, whatever the hell happened to him, I don't know. But I, I know like that. I don't want to know because it was much worse than what happened to me.
0: And you just forgave probably him,
1: probably the same with your mom. Yeah, hey, I look, like I, forgave I, I forgave him. I forgave. I forgave. You have to forgive. That's I think that's the first step. And I forgave. Actually, I asked when I first got divorced. When not first? When I, after I got divorced, and when I after I done therapy and realized kind of what had happened because you come out of this fog going shit did i do all of that what the hell and you realize why you had done it so then i went back uh, because my wife and kids at the time were in spain they're not here i mean my kids are here now but my wife and kids and i lived in spain for, for 10 years so i went back and i saw them and i you know i told my kids you know that please forgive me for what i did you know and, and told them why i'd done it and they started crying immediately Jesus. So I realized what that they had suffered a lot, and my wife too. My ex-wife; she started crying also immediately. So it was really nice to be able to ask for forgiveness and not to, to just ask for it, not to justify. Well, yeah, please forgive me, and I'm sorry I did that. But you know why I did it was because this and the, no you you guys you, said period you, at the end please right. forgive me I shouldn't have done that period isn't that something because you know <clears throat> if you want to say I'm sorry to someone there always
0: has to be feels like I'm sorry you feel that way but that's not what I was saying <laughs> no. instead of just saying hey I'm sorry I said that I'm, really I'm sorry, sorry. I, fucked up, I, period. F- I fucked up I'm sorry that's I apologize the best way. That's but the I had an ex girlfriend who used to be like I go you know what you're right I'm wrong she goes shut
1: up I hate when you do that.
0: But what I was saying, by the way, I was seeing a Broadway show with my family, and if you pan down, you'd see my brother just straight, like Ivan Drago, and then my dad, same thing, then my mom hysterically crying, and then me crying, and my dad and well, my... Well, that's bro-
1: good, that's why you're an actor.
0: I know, man, but my dad used you to, you, like, crying was just like, yeah.
1: Well, I would cry when I was younger, but I was, I was, was, uh, I was embarrassed about it, but now I don't care, so... I because I it. know that is good for my uh, my uh, my career anyway to be close to my emotions. So I and my late found kind of opportunity to do. St- roles like that it's I, I just embrace it that you, I am you like give
0: that. me i'll tell you what man i'm really impressed with you golf <laughs> i really am because look you're a big dude i didn't know you i was like fuck i don't know what to talk about is he gonna get pissed steroids if, if i ask him about like it you know personal shit. you know what i didn't know i didn't i didn't know and like you're a hero to, to me a lot of people you know i grew up in the you know i'm, I'm 46 and you know, I watched you my whole life. He's he he used to watch he watched Masters of the Universe back in the day and he was a fan and, and all the movies and so the fact that you're so open, I'm telling you, has really is helping me. Oh thanks. Because it's it's just like I feel like, you know what, hey, now's the time. Like it's never too late to say, Hey, look, I need to I need to fix what I'm doing because it's not working. It's true, man. You know, I need more structure in my life. I need to do things for me. I can't always be the giver. You know, sometimes it's okay not to give, not to give everybody your time. Not, to, I'm always so, like, I always hate, I hate disappointing people. Man, this has been awesome. I feel like I don't want to take more of your time. <laughs> I feel like we really covered a lot of shit. What do you got going on? What else has <laughs> gone Because I see you're
1: always doing something. Um, Well, I, I'm here now for a couple of weeks. Uh, oh, so you want to hang out maybe? Yeah, I was in have Italy lunch? doing a little movie, and yeah. Uh, yeah i don't mind coming for a little i mean my my girlfriend likes karaoke so my my daughter is here so if you have a karaoke uh, you can let me hang
0: know. hang on you knew that at a time i have a whole room downstairs that screening room yeah is a big screen it's a karaoke room okay it is I 130 you told me yeah. i did yeah i had to say it again sorry about that no
1: man. no no you should... yeah i like to come over and if uh, you guys want to karaoke yeah i'll be your it, dj
0: man. for the night
1: and I'll give you some advice uh, about regarding uh, if you want to know about meditation and therapy. I, I know quite a bit about it now, so I can... I can I need you ...in it. the right direction, even to do it by yourself, which yeah. is the way I do most of my meditation. I, I've been to one retreat, and that's it. I, I do it mostly on my own. I love it. How often do you... Do,
0: do you ever do these conventions where you sign autographs?
1: Yeah, I've done many... of. Well, not many, maybe about 10... I like it actually. It's it's a bit tedious, but you get to meet the fans, yeah. Uh, you know, face to face, which doesn't happen much anymore, and I like that.
0: Yeah, I do too. I just got back from one
1: where, 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 where I was that? in Orlando. Oh, that's a big one. I heard yeah. of that, and it was the first
0: time that uh the, we had three three, three uh, big ones on the show. Where me, Clark Kent, and the girl, and it was the first time we were together oh, since the show oh, wow. since I left in two thousand eight, and it was it was crazy. It was just thousands of people. It was so much fun, and you just see it's it's. It does put a tear in your eye to think, "Oh my God, these people, like they grew up with you, they, they had a connection with you." People in Iraq, like, were like, "Hey, me and my platoon, we, we, this is what got us." I'm like, "Wait, this is what got you? What <laughs> yeah, this show?" Because I always think, "Oh, I'm an actor. Who cares?" Yeah, and we, our jobs are we're so lucky.
1: I agree. I, I used to think the exact same way, and then I start start. It came to me like, "Why did I quit chemical engineering? Why?" Why did I do that? And I was just 27. and It was just like such a radical decision. But I think I wanted to make people feel good. And that's what I've done. Most, most of my fans come up with positive messages, and, and like you just said. And I think that's why I ended up doing this, to give back something to the world. And I think that really, that's kind of the main reason I'm doing it now. And that, that it's kind of a, a nice way to think about it.
0: You, do you, uh, Doing
1: it for the for other people.
0: For other people. Do you have any fans who are just like anybody ever piss you off and say something really mean to you? No much. No,
1: very very few times. Maybe when I did Rocky Four and I because I killed that guy Apollo Creed, the <laughs> guy with the big mouth. <laughs> that guy, I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh... you know they
0: were upset with me, but <laughs> uh, I didn't mean uh, to. Ahead, I was just down. really
1: hit straight. him, Dolph. <laughs> anyway,
0: so you I, know, uh... yeah, you know I had a fan. I had a fan come Don't up to me, buddy. <laughs> Don't worry about it. All right. I had a fan come up to me, Dolph, and he goes, he goes, I just want to tell you that Gene Hackman was the best Lex Luthor ever. And I go, okay, great, thanks. Fuck I know you. that. I'm well aware of that. He's my favorite. And I, he was like, all right, well, I go, that's what you waited in line to tell me. And he's like, yeah, I just want to I go. Okay, well, great. Well, thank you.
1: No, I don't, that was the weirdest thing. I don't think I've had that. I mean, occasionally maybe something that, you know upsets me a little once in a while but i usually don't it doesn't affect me much anymore not that much anymore so calm
0: well listen i'll tell you what this has been a real treat for me i think just punch him in the face next
1: time just punch (laughs)
0: fuck you (laughs) this has been unbelievable i think people are going to really love seeing here in this side Yes. (laughs) yes he's so fun i could talk to him like this for fucking ever I mean, you feel like a, a relative, a really tall, strong, handsome relative. We're not a very good-looking family, but you, you have a... I, I, it pisses me off when beautiful people have beautiful kids. Like, both your daughters are beautiful, right? How old are they, 20? Uh,
1: 23 and 17. That's what I'm most proud of, that I, the kids turn out okay in this messed-up business, right? It's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah.
0: Well, hey, man, if you ever need, if you need honest hemp, some CBD oil or anything, man, I'll give you a big bunch of that You use that stuff no
1: i hear it's good what, what what do you do with it
0: this stuff you well this is a bomb you put on your i might show you but where'd you put it on my on my neck the back oh, yeah? of my neck is oh good? yeah it
1: just really gives
0: me it personally helps me like inflammation. yeah man here you go can you eat it no i'm just kidding you know what yeah well you can See, these drops i'm gonna give you some anyway there's breath spray there's dro- there's no there's those. no I thc it's to not gonna fuck you up no but there's some tinctures you take and they reduce inflammation. Yeah, put a bunch of. I shit. had like your ankle swollen.
1: Yeah, it's You're swollen. rubbing it on your right. ankle. I had this, well, because I, you know, this guy neighbor of mine when I lived in this building here many years ago came up to us and, and my girlfriend and said, "Hey, man, you got to try this shit. It's really good for your injuries." So there's these like little chocolate, yeah, you know, like little chocolates in there, right? And of course, some of them he he explained to me what it was. And I I don't know much about that it, some of them are. THC and the other ones are, you know, whatever it was. And then of course my girlfriend goes, I'd like to try some of that. It's like here you go. So she ate one of those little things and it was then I looked at the wrapper and said nine nine doses. What? Nine doses of THC. Was she fucked? She was totally was fucked. Was it hilarious? He was <laughs> Well, let me tell you this. It was an <laughs> a Saturday night. I had a couple of, of drinks. It was fun for about 20 minutes. And then she, like. Then it just uh... crashed. Then she just threw up for threw up for about seven hours. It was great. <laughs> well,
0: hey, man. I, I want to thank you. Thank you for All allowing right. me to be inside of you today. Sure, yeah. And uh, we'll take a picture and uh, let you be on your way. It wasn't too bad, right?
1: No, it was great. I loved it.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. tough awful folks.